is Buffs Nation. What's going on? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. I am Tyler Walgy. He is Jared All to my right. Jared, Buffs lose 55-23. How you feeling? Uh, as uh, Jim Carrey would say, I've had better. <laughs> uh, that I was know. brutal. That was rough. It was tough, man. It was a long night. Hate seeing the Buffs do that. And unfortunately, it reminded me a lot of the last time CU went down to San Antonio and played a Big 12 school in the Alamo Bowl. A lot of similarities. Uh, Ryan Smith, our producer. Ryan, what's going on? How's it going, boys? I'm uh, as equally as downtrodden as you as it, well. Yeah. The aura of the room right now yeah. is just so <laughs> dark. It's, like, it's, it's pretty oh. rough. It's pretty rough. Uh, just, you know, we're, we'll, we'll get into it in, in today's show, but... Uh, yeah, just just not feeling it. No, it was a, a not a good way to end the season. CU ends four and two, but they were four and zero at one point and lost their last two games by a combined score of ninety three to forty four. But look, I think there's a lot of positives to build on, and we'll, we'll we'll wrap the season up on today's show. Obviously, talk about the Texas game and just kind of give our thoughts on what we thought about this twenty twenty year. So overall. Uh, we'll start off with Texas. Uh, like I said, 55-23 loss. Sam Neuer didn't have a, a fantastic game, couple interceptions. Uh, questions for, for sure about his health. And uh, he was yanked halfway through the game for And it didn't Brendan seem to Lewis. matter a whole lot there. Right. right. You know? Well, I mean, Brendan Lewis did have a little bit of success. You know, you know and I, I, I did... Let me rephrase that. It didn't matter in the results of the game, but there was a lot that I saw from Brandon Lewis that were was very encouraging. He's got a little extra juice to him, and that's something that I'm excited about to see what he can bring next year once he's got a full offseason with this team. No, oh, definitely. I mean, look, if we can be positive about something, and Jared, you mentioned this before the show started, but Brandon Lewis... It was really cool to see him out there. I mean, you get a glimpse of the future, a glimpse of, of the the next quarterback for CU, and yeah, we saw some good things. I mean, look, it's a learning curve. It was his first college game ever against a very good defense, but I think that he still came out and showed some signs, showed some, posit- some uh, positive things. When I heard earlier in the week a uh, quote from Carl Durrell saying he, he was going to get Brendan Lewis in for a series or two because he thought he earned it. It, it, you know, it's something we've talked about before that felt like a participation trophy. Actually, I thought it was very much related to, and um, I'm, I don't have the name in front of me, but there's a, a, the Tennessee quarterback that's transferring in to CU. Right. And, and I thought, His name is J.T. Stroud. J.T. Stroud. Thank you, Ryan. Um, I thought maybe it was related to that they thought maybe brendan lewis was getting a little upset about a guy coming in they wanted to make sure they under, he understood he's a part of the team you know part of their uh, thought process moving forward so i thought it was more of a, a sign of hey you're still a part of this but when he got on the field i mean it was instantaneous that was the first drive they had that had any momentum you really saw the extra little bit extra that he brought uh, with his legs, I mean, Sam Noir is a good runner, but he does not have that burst like uh, Brandon Lewis did. So I'm very encouraged. Uh, that's something that I really took away from that, and it seemed like even on this drive, he wasn't that successful. It, he he gave an extra wrinkle to that offense. And Noir just really didn't look that great all year long. You know, I've had my questions about him, but. This was the game where you started to say, oh, no, you know, don't let me down, Sam. Yeah, I think going coming out of the Utah game and coming into this game, if you were going to give Brendan Lewis some, and this is all hindsight 2020, if you're going to give Lewis some looks, why not bring him out on the first one through three series of the game? And now Texas is 
completely confused. I think they waited too long. They yeah. they did because the game, I won't say it was lost at that point, but they were down, I think, 14 nothing at the time. They really had had nothing going offensively. And, 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 you know, he gave them that spark and did for a, a period of time bring him back into that game. You know, coming into half, it was 17-10. It was felt <laughs> like the bus were coming back. It was like, man, okay, they come out of half, get a stop, get a score, and that wasn't it at all. Texas came out in the second half, did exactly what they did in the first half, drove down. I think it was two plays, three plays. It was, like that. yeah, long pass, long run, and then they punched it. It, it seemed like Colorado was playing uh, on both sides of the ball with a lack of confidence. Uh, Sam Neuer did not look confident out there playing, and I think this defense with Nate Landman off the field and out with injury, they, they're just not playing with the same confidence. And I, I think that really showed uh, with, with their inability to stop B. John Robinson running the ball. I mean, the holes were just wide open. There's just nobody there. Yeah, the the announcers kind of pointed it out as well. Is um, and 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 they they mentioned it as Texas wanting to be there. I don't think CU didn't want to be there. I think it was the lack of confidence, and I think there's several several aspects of not only offensive def- and offensively and defensively where that came from but it just didn't look like they were as sharp as they had been you know four out of the five games uh in Pac-12 play going into halftime it like Jared said it was 17-10 um, my thinking was CU's played a terrible half and we're only down seven there's a lot that can be done but you know it, it, it just nothing ever came together and I saw something that Take it how you will, but uh, I noticed, you know, Jarek Broussard, he's young. He's, I think that, you know, the more and more we go into the future here, uh, there's going to be more people who are just on social media and not afraid to say what they think and access to players is easier than ever. And and you get to see really what these guys are going through. And Jarek Broussard retweeted a tweet uh, from uh, Justin Guerrero, who works for... Uh, uh, rivals.com and CU Sports Nation. Uh, the qu- the tweet says, quarterback breakdown from tonight. Sam Neuer, nine drives, 44 plays, 163 yards, 3.7 yards per play, three points. Brendan Lewis, seven drives, 35 points, 215 yards, 6.1 yards per play, 20 points. And Jarek Broussard retweeted it. You know, it, it, I don't know what to take into that do i take in that he really wants to win and he's competitive and he he wants brendan lewis in there do i take in that a, a, a teammate type of issue you know you don't want any 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 friction or things like that like I, sh- should i read anything into I, i'm this? not gonna read too much into it it's i mean we're all on twitter it is that easy it's a one click of that button I guys know. and that's a retweet and so i you know i don't love it i don't love to see players out there calling their guys out it's it's like a guy in an interview calling out his his quarterback or calling somebody else out i don't love that would i love to have seen him have sam noyers back and say hey this is my guy he didn't have a great day today he was not out there playing well but you know i i don't think this this falls solely on sam neuer and this lack of of production and lack of confidence within this offense i think a lot of this falls on darren cheverini the play calling and and the way they were approaching this offensive game plan It, it feels like to me guys this buffs team got found out against i think so too it's it's really weird because you know i think we may have been a little Ahead of ourselves this season. Well, and I, and I want to reference back to uh, what was it, 2018, 2017, whatever it was when Cheverini was last the play caller. And so we've talked about a lot where he got 
so caught up in trying to force feed the ball to LaVisca Chenault all the time, right. even when it wasn't successful. So it was easy for us to say early on, hey, Jarek Broussard is, is killing it. Keep giving him the ball, keep giving him the ball. But it feels like once that got figured out, there wasn't that extra wrinkle. There wasn't anything to turn to. And they put themselves in a lot of bad situations. When you look at the day, they were terrible on third down. They were four for 17 for the most on third down. Yeah. How many of those, though, were third and six, third and eight? third and 12 because they got behind the sticks. And I, I think there's a lot more to it. So I don't love to see Jarek Broussard calling out his quarterback. I don't think this game falls on Sh- Sam Neuer's shoulders, but I'm not going to read too much into it. I'm not going to make a huge deal. I know. That. People are reading into the th- things these days. You guys hear about Bronny James, LeBron's uh, son. He uh, he liked a tweet of Scottie Pippen's ex-wife or something like that because uh, Scottie Pippen's son and, and LeBron James' son are friends. And so everyone's freaking out, saying, oh, my God, Bronny is talking to Scottie Pippen's ex-wife, all this stuff. People are freaking out about it. But I'm really glad that I'm not famous because <laughs> yeah, right? I don't think I want people looking but through look, my Twitter. Account. I love Jerry Broussard. He is the future of uh, the Buffs running game, and, and I don't want to come down too hard on him. But I saw that retweet, and I'm just like, huh. Yeah, well, there, my mind goes a couple of different ways on on this subject in, in the fact that Sam Neuer, we, we also have to, you know, bring ourselves down to earth in the fact that this was his sixth start right Jarek Broussard's tweet yes it kind of seems to me like he's he's kind of calling out maybe the coaching staff maybe the decisions that were made as far as letting Sam continue on to play especially when he started out I think he was three for 14 or something like that and and you know I, I think that um I think that players are really just trying to Stay, stay the course and look towards the future. I mean, if I were to honestly ask you guys, do you th- even with the eligibility, is Sam Neuer the quarterback next year? No, no, definitively no. There you go. No, Brandon Lewis is the quarterback for sure. It, it may be a quarterback battle with this new guy, but uh, it's not going to be. And Sam do we Neuer. know? Is, uh, uh, give me the name one more time. JT Strauss, the for the the transfer quarterback. Uh, Stroud. Stroud. Is he immediately eligible? Is there going to be any... I believe he's a graduate transfer. I can check on that for you, though. Okay. Uh, I think that's where your competition is next year. Uh, I don't know a ton about Tennessee and their offense, but I talked to a friend of mine that's a Texas A&M fan, so has a little bit of exposure to it. He said he was not the problem in Tennessee. There's a lot of other problems in Tennessee. JT was not one of them. So um, I I think there will be some competition there. I don't think they're just going to hand... And I think Sam Noir will will be competing. I think we can all agree Sam Noir is probably back on this team next yeah, year probably, unless, yeah. unless he's pursuing things outside of football I just I don't know that Sam Norrie has an NFL future ahead of him I don't see that no. that being the path that he's going to just pass up this extra year of eligibility to go do that so uh, yeah I think Sam Norrie's probably played his last down as a starter for the Bucks. which is unfortunate because he's given so much to this team but you see what happened you know you don't produce and and, and that's what's that's inevitable you know that's what's going to happen so uh, look there weren't a whole lot of uh, things to be excited about. Now, look, I, I still think, and we'll get to the positives because, as a you know, if you look at the year, it was it was good for CU. But last week we talked about our keys to the game, and our keys were win the time of possession, 
Don't get caught up in an air raid attack. Don't throw the ball more times in Texas. Like, none of those were really done. Now, CU did have the ball a little bit longer than Texas, but at the end of the game, that didn't really matter because Texas was so effective when they had the football. Yeah, it doesn't matter when you're breaking off 50, 60, 70-yard plays. Exactly. But but CU, you know, they, they, they it was only 30 minutes to – or about 31 minutes to 29 minutes. So it was very equal there. But CU threw the ball 33 times. Texas only threw it 28 times. You know, uh, Colorado held Texas to 2 of 11 on third downs, but it just wasn't enough because there were only 11 third downs. Texas didn't often get to third downs. So, you know, the yardage, 638 yards to 378. Overall, just not a very good performance from CU. Certainly a disappointing way to end the year. And like I said, it's, it was just sort of Groundhog Day. It seemed like the Alamo Bowl in 2016 where I was at that game, Jared was at that game, and it was fun to go down to San Antonio, do the river walk, but you want to win. That's the one thing that matters. And you, you, you end the season with that sour taste in your mouth again in the Alamo Bowl, Big 12 team. It's frustrating to say the least, but... So, sorry, guys. Yeah. I, I, just, I just wanted to uh, correct myself. Uh, it's actually Shrout, S-H-R-O-U-T. Okay. Thank, thank you. Um, and he's actually going to have three years of eligibility coming into the Boulder. Really? Wow. <laughs> so I think we may have a competition on our hands going into next year. And I think that's good. I think that's something that uh, you want to see in a situation coming out of this year where you don't exactly know where you're at in that position. I think Brandon Lewis looked good. But I, I certainly think that there's a reason why he wasn't starting this entire season. I think he's still coming along. So I'm excited to see that. There is a lot to look forward to next year. There's some good young pieces on both sides of the ball. I think getting this coaching staff in for that full off season. I think there's, there's a lot of promise with CU moving forward. Well, despite the loss, CU did end the year 4-2. and two. And overall, guys, what would your thought on the season? What are you going to take away from 2020? Because... Even though those last two games, bad taste in your mouth, two bad losses, again, combined score, 93-44, I'm going to look at this year as positive. You know, you didn't know what to expect coming into the season. We we didn't even know if CU would play a game, and they come out, win four in a row, finish with one of the better records in the Pac-12. It, was, it certainly wasn't a failure of a season. I'm proud of this team, proud of these guys. We can't ignore the fact that Nate Landman not being out there had a huge impact. You know, injuries... Uh, I'm proud of the way they fought, proud of the way they, you know, came back and, and uh, even in the Texas game, didn't seem like they ever quit. So I think overall, great season for this, well, good season for this team. We want these guys to build on it. Obviously, some NFL talent going to leave, but build on this year and get ready for a solid season next year. Well, I think when you look back to, uh, you know, February of last year, let's let's even talk before he who shall not be named left. Yeah. There was so much optimism building in what was happening in the CU. And, and there was a period of time there after uh, Carl Durrell took over where, man, I think think all of us could agree we're going Oof. are we going to see the bus take another step back are we having to start over again and and so to look at where we are now and, and think hey you know what the bus competed for a Pac-12 championship this year I think a lot of us feel like that they should have truly had a chance to be in that Pac-12 championship game and obviously the end of the season shows us that maybe there was some some holes in their game that, that would have held them back from getting there but I think we can all at this point in time be very optimistic about their ability to compete next year at the top of the Pac-12 and so I think to look at that and, and, and what I take from the season is they didn't take that step back Carl Durrell came right in he carried that momentum that they had coming off of the previous season I think he you saw a lot from the young talent I think there's a lot to look forward to in that regard but also 
I just feel great about where the Buffs are with Carl Durrell and where he's going to be as a coach moving forward for them. Yeah, I mean, let's think about the Buffs' first practice, I believe, was October 9th of this year. And for you to tell me that they were going to hire Carl Durrell shortly, I think it was two weeks after Mel Tucker left, and to have all this COVID stuff go on, our first practice being October 9th, and to come and even finish with a four and two record, a bowl loss. Yes, that's important. That, that's disappointing. But you know what? So thrilled. And the biggest thing that I think that I take away from from this is we have our coach, we have our coaching staff, and we also have youth. We're we're oh, only yeah. we're only losing a handful of seniors and, here. And exactly. frankly, guys, I think a lot of those guys end up back on this. And roster. I hope yeah. they do. So so I, I'm 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 very optimistic. And you know what? Disappointed with the loss, but overall very happy with the program. Very happy with what the coaches, the players, everybody involved did with 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 a, with a hard season. On the season, uh, Sam Neuer. Some stats here. Some season stats. Sam Neuer. Uh, started off well, didn't end tremendously, but uh, 1,101 yards, 55% completion percentage, uh, six touchdowns, seven picks, and he was sacked seven times. So, uh, you know, not that many stats from other guys. Brendan Lewis, of course, yesterday went six of ten, uh, didn't have a touchdown or a pick, and then Tyler Lytle, four of seven. But uh, that's pretty much it from the quarterback position. A lot of Sam and, uh, you know, decent stats there. He did what it took to start uh, 4-0 at least. Rushing, we know that story there. Uh, of the 12, almost 1,300 rushing yards gained, Jarek Broussard had 895 of them, almost 900, which uh, if I'm doing my math correct, it's about 75% of the team's rushing yards came through Jarek Broussard. Second on the team, of course, Sam Neuer, 208 on the ground. And then you've got a, a nice uh, mixture of Brennan Lewis for 73, Jared Mangum for 35, Joe Davis, 34, Sean Clayton, 31. Uh, in the backfield, obviously, Jarek Broussard's our guy, our, our number one back for the next couple of years. But who do you think you guys see uh, taking that number two spot? Who who thrives this offseason and works his way up to number two? Is it Jared Mangum? Is it Joe Davis? A Shad Clayton? What do you guys think? I think of the guys that we saw this year, Ashad Clayton is the one that I, I probably have the most optimism for his ability to take that next step. But I really think get Alex Fontenot back into this offense. Yeah, and I point. think Alex Fontenot is your one-two punch along with Jarek Broussard. Whew, that's that's, that's and, nice. And, and again, that you know goes to what we're talking about with the optimism for, for growth. You know, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more on what's going on with Alex Fontenot. That has been a very, very quiet yeah, situation. So I do hope that there's nothing serious going on either personally or with injuries. Uh, hope he gets back on the field and I really look forward to seeing what that one-two punch can look like next year. I think that adds an extra element where you don't get so stuck being Broussard, Broussard, Broussard all day through the air this is really interesting with receiving yards dimitri uh stanley had 335 receiving yards and then there's five guys with uh over 100 but under 200 uh levante chanault had 193 katie nixon 132 brennan rice 120 maurice bell 115 and daniel arias 105 so they spread the ball out a lot this year brady russell ending the year five catches 77 yards was Brady Russell the one, uh, maybe the most disappointing injury this year? Obviously, Nate Lehman's a crushing injury, and look at the impact that has. But Brady Russell, I think that we could have seen him do the most 
Uh, he got hurt earlier this year. That was disappointing. And when you look at the struggles of the offense in the second half of the season, I, I think you can absolutely point to that. So yeah, while while Nate Landman's the obvious answer for the biggest impact of an injury, I think as far as the tail of the season is a little bit different for this Buffs offense. If Brady Russell's around, he was kind of that security blanket for Sam Neuer. He was utilized a lot in the offense early on. I mean, he only played in a couple of games. Yeah. So I think he really would have had big numbers this year. Yeah, I think when you have Brady Russell in the lineup, what what really takes away from the other uh, tight ends um, is when Brady Russell's in the game, you don't know if he's blocking or if he's running. Great point. Uh, or, or he's going out for a route. I'm, I apologize. The other guys, they're brought in to block mostly. Yeah. And one of... Okay, so there were three of the biggest drops of the year in the Alamo Bowl. One was made by a tight end. I believe two, not drop, but overthrown ball was to Maurice Bell. So you, you, could, you, could, you could see those numbers skyrocket a little bit for him and then get a little bit of help from a tight end in that position always, and it's a completely different game. Um, receiving yards again, 1,200 on the year to match the uh, Sam Neuer stat, but... Yeah, overall, I mean, I'm not concerned at all with our receiving core. I think we've got plenty of talent at receiver. Uh, I have no shortage of of uh, enthusiasm about these guys. By the way, before the season started, we mentioned Katie Nixon needed, what was it, 1,000 or so, 900, 1,000 yards to get into the top 10 all time for receiving yards. If he comes back next year, he's just – all he did this year was add a couple hundred – at a 132, so... And, you know, he's one... We talked about that a few weeks ago, and, and we're all kind of on the fence on whether he would stay or go. I mean, he, he wanted to go out last year and, and ended up coming back, but I really think the best move for him would be to come back, especially if you end up with a quarterback under center that's maybe a little bit more of an efficient passer than what we saw in Sam Neuer. So, uh, plus, Katie Nixon was hurt for the better part of the season. Even once he came back, you could tell he did not have that same explosion that he had in the past. So get healthy, get back here, prove to NFL teams that you are an NFL caliber receiver, and he could be a mid-round oh, draft pick. I think he should come back, no doubt. If I were his agent, I'm telling him to come back because I think that right now, Katie Nixon may be a sixth-round pick, right? I think he's going to go late in the draft. I think he could legitimately be as high as a second, third-round pick if he has the season he's capable of having. So I think he should come back for sure. He fits that mold of what, what teams like. You know, you saw that with Henry Ruggs last year. You know, the the, the uh, Tyreek Hills. You know, that, that type of receiver is what Katie Nixon fits into that mold. Well, hold on here a second there, Tyler. I, that was my best league course. So I, I don't that was know terrible. That, that, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, what is, what is he just so Not so fast. That's what I, that's what I was trying to do. <laughs> See, I, I, I think the only benefit of Katie Nixon coming back is I feel like the program as a whole, and you can see it with this year as well, is the only reason you'll play if you come back is because of how much you've given to the program. But I think there's a lot of better players in this receiving core than KD Nixon. You really think so? Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, yes, he was hurt for a couple games, but I don't know. I think why he was so good in the early years is because LaVisca was getting double and triple teamed. And that could be the case. I, I want to see this play out, though, because I think that all hey, things hey, equal, he leads the team in receiving. I, I think the thing you get with uh, Katie Nixon is the versatility. You saw him line him up in the backfield yep, yep, in the a little back, bit. Right, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. He does some different things for this team. I, I, I just I just don't want to see him try to achieve something more. I don't want him to be a Jake Locker story. Right. I don't want you know to come back and, and ruin what he may have already set up at this point. 
And, you know, and I, again, that goes back to what I think we we're talking about with the optimism of the future. There's so much talent. When you're talking about a guy in Katie Nixon that came into this year and we're like, man, he's the guy this year, man. This is going to happen. Now you're like, is he? There's so much talent at the receiver position. I don't know, though. Is I he still, even the number one guy going into next year? I still think Katie would be the number one guy. Talent and experience are two different things. I will say that to, to you know, be the devil's no, advocate to my point as well. For, for sure, but but I just think that he'd still be the number one. I, I would be very surprised. Look, Dimitri Stanley's electric, but I would be very surprised if he wasn't the number one, but we'll see next year. If he comes back, maybe we'll put a little wager on it for total receiving yards in the year. What what did you say for the Lee Corso thing? What was your quote? Hold on right there, Tyler. Yeah, I said something stupid. No, it, it, let, let's you, let's you not took, revisit it. You took not so fast, my friend, and, and made it into like a like a Kroger brand remix. <laughs> you know, like Ryan's watching ESPN The Ocho's version of Lee Corso. Like, well, I am the Kroger producer, so <laughs> you find me it's on like, discount aisles, a, baby. It's like a, it's it's just like uh, it's like the Bizarro World. It's a show just like College Ball or uh, what's it called? Uh, College Ball Live or. Uh, college ball pregame or whatever. I don't know. Now, who's, game day, now, game day, now, who's, game now day. who's stumbling over their and, words and, over there, and Tyler? Ryan, and Ryan watches like the, the alternate version. It's like, you know, everything's backwards, you know, but uh, hold on for a second there, my fellow partner. So listen, and hold it there. <laughs> Let's move a little yeah. bit more slowly, people. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Evan Price, James Stefano. That was an interesting dynamic this season. Uh, James Stefano, the the bloke from Down Under, uh, Thunder from Down Under, you know the uh, the Australian uh, oldest player in college football. He would have been, but he ends up uh, retiring midway through the season. And Evan Price comes in to go sixteen to sixteen from extra points and six of eight from uh, field goals. So Evan Price, I think he had a good year, good year kicking overall. He didn't know he'd be the starter to start things off, but it always helps to have a reliable kicker and. Overall, I'd say, look, he's not Mason Crosby, but I feel confident when he trots oh, out there. You guys remember the days with Mason Crosby? Oh, you get to the 40-yard line, and you're, yeah. you're, you're guaranteed three points. I, I remember there was a couple of times, and he didn't ever get to kick it, but there was a couple of times when they went to line him up yeah. for like 65, <laughs> 70 yards. Like, it's cool. He's yeah. got it. Don't worry about it. Uh, but overall, good year from the kicking position, and let's get to that defense. Don't we have to start with Nate Landman? You have to. He was hurt for the end of the year, but 53 tackles, 39 solo tackles, uh, four sacks. You know, he just had such a great season, and he makes so many plays. It's going to be a shame to see him uh, in the NFL next year, which I th- greatly think he's going to be in the NFL. I was going to say, any any thoughts of him coming back? That injury was late in the year. He may not be ready for the start of an NFL Look, season. if he's not ready and that injury still lingering, I'd be glad to have him back. We will welcome him I, back with open arms. He's but. a guy that I think if he if he gets feedback, because you know you can submit to the NFL and they can kind of respond back what what sort of grade they think you're going to get, you know. And I, I think it's something like a first rounder, a day two, or go back to college. Basically, is what right. they tell these guys. So if he's not getting the feedback of being first, second, third round. I don't think it's the worst idea for him to come back. Now, it's easy for me to say to somebody else to leave, yeah, go ahead and leave those millions of dollars on the table. It's fine. It'll be there next year for you. But I don't think that's completely out of the question. Well, I think with coming off an Achilles um, late in the season, especially with everything being so backed up, I mean, the draft's only in April. I think it's April 29th. Um, I think it would be smart for him to come back, rehab with you know, probably one of the you know best best athletic programs in the country, um, and 
see where the program, see, see where the team is when you're fully healthy. Because I think if you come out now versus if you sit out and rehab another year, you're probably in the same spot. And to play devil's advocate for you uh, on that point, you know, uh, it, it's it's typically you're going to get the best medical attention from a team that's invested millions of dollars in your ability to get healthy again. And that's not to take anything away from CU's medical staff or anything, but those NFL staffs, man, they're invested in you. They are going to do everything they can to get you back healthy. So again, I think a lot of it depends on how much his stock falls. I think if he's, he, if, if he feels his stock is falling a lot, he may come back so he can improve that, get get you know a higher draft pick, more money coming in, uh, more guarantees to make a roster. But I think he's gone. I do. I, I think he's out I the door. Too. I think he's heading out to the NFL. And I do still think, even with the injury, he's a day two pick. Yeah, I was saying that. I, I think he's gone as well. It, was it a partial or a complete tear? I'm not sure. I, yeah, I don't know. They okay. like to keep things so close to the best. Yeah, college, I mean, no, that's man. how every, everybody does. Dang. But I, I think it makes a big difference. So yeah. that's, that, that, that's true. That's a question. Uh, Carson Wells, breakout player of the year. I mean, second on the team in tackles. Yeah, I'd say either Carson Wells or Isaiah Lewis, to me, would be the breakout player. Yeah, right. Isaiah Lewis, man, even watching him yesterday, he was all over the field, making great plays, uh, really, really excited about his trajectory. He, Isaiah Lewis was getting in the backfield yesterday. He was showing his athleticism. I think he's uh, one of the bright spots on this defense that we didn't spend enough time talking about earlier in the season. So great year for Isaiah Lewis. Uh, ended up starting at that uh, safety position. Uh, he's always he's one of those players where you just feel comfortable when he's in the game. Uh, and then again, like I said, Carson Wells, uh, number one on the on the uh, first in the team in sacks, first in the team in yeah six and a half sacks in six games. That's pretty impressive yeah, for a guy right? that drops back into coverage a good amount. Am so. I reading this correctly that CU only had three? Oh, it was four four picks this year. Uh, Curtis Appleton had one. Nigel Bethel Jr. had one. Um, Makai Blackman had one and then Carson Wells had one and I think that was the most uh, promising thing this year from Carson was his versatility and we've talked about this all year but it's worth repeating that he can do so much there at the outside linebacker position and that's great only or not only uh, to help the buffs as long as he is a buff but for his future in the NFL because those are the kind of guys that the NFL is looking for the versatile guys can you cover can you get into the backfield can you uh, you know go side to side can you use your speed and be physical so Carson Wells kind of is that complete package I'm really excited to have him coming back next year and he I think should be the, the breakout player of the year aside from Isaiah Lewis who we just mentioned I think that's a good uh, nominee Jared uh, just to go over Isaiah's stats 33 tackles uh, one sack and six passes defense. Led the team with six passes broken up. Uh, Darian Rakestra, third in the team in tackles, 36 overall. Uh, didn't have any, you know, great... Uh, uh, it doesn't bounce off the paper in terms of sacks or, inter or interceptions, things like that, but he's just that defensive rock. You know, Darian Rakestra hits hard. He's a presence out there on D, and uh, I... I, I What's that? He seems like a guy to me, and anywhere you watch it, like you say, he didn't have a whole lot of flashy plays, but he also never was in the wrong spot. You know, you're not seeing right. him chasing after a receiver deep. He's not getting sucked up in and then the running backs bursting on the outside, you know, past him. So I think that's where you get, He, like you said, he's that rock. He's a guy that's always in the place he's supposed to be, always making the play he's supposed to. What about Akil Jones? I think Akil Jones... Uh Kind of underrated for what he does. You know, he only had uh, 27 tackles on the year. Only, I say, fifth on the team in tackles. Uh, but only had 13 solo tackles. But he does so much. Akil Jones, he hits hard. Like, 
he's someone who I don't want to mess with, you know. He and uh, he's that's what you need when you play these these physical teams. And I think he was put in a really tough spot these last couple of games. When you're used to Nate Landman, Roman next to you, it, it's it's you know that's really hard to make that adjustment to have to then be that guy. And and no offense to Keel Jones, he is not Nate Landman. And so that, but I think what you saw from him this year was really really solid, even in that game that he missed. You noticed it. Just the same way you noticed Nate Landman not being there, you noticed Akil Jones not being in the game. Yeah, see, and, and here's, here's where, I'll, I kind of, where I'll kind of differ with you guys. In, in losing a potentially first-team All-American linebacker is I really felt Akil Jones and Darian Rakestraw specifically struggled without Nate Landman there. Um, I felt like both of those players were um, overrunning um, certain run plays and putting themselves in bad positions to tackle. And let me just say this about the entire team, and I know I'm being a Debbie Downer today, and, and I'm sorry, and, and maybe we should record this a few days after. So I know. Calm yeah, down right. a little. Can we do that? <laughs> but, the game happened, what, 18 hours ago? But, but from the time that Nate Lamon went off the field in the Utah game to yesterday in the Alamo Bowl, I don't know how many leg tackles that I saw that were broken. The CU defense, we it almost like we forgot how to learn to square up and tackle people. We're diving at ankles. We're, we're, we're giving up on plays when we think people are tackled, and then they go for 50 to 60 Definitely more yards. And, and, and it, it was just – it's crazy how you have that heat-seeking missile and late, Nate Lamon to where – Everybody can swarm, and you just didn't see any of that since I kind of gave him a break in the Utah game because, you know, crappy weather, bad footing. You know what? Maybe we'll give him some of that. But from from the first whistle yesterday in the Alamo Bowl, I saw the exact same things, diving at ankles. With these guys, you're not going to bring them down with shoelaces. you gotta, you, you got to square them up and tackle. And that was probably one of the most frustrating things to me in the whole game. And that's something this defense is going to have to work on because Nate Lamon, like we said, likely not going to be here next year. So, and and even if he is, he may not be on the field right a whole lot. You know, yeah. early on, he may be more of a situational player uh, for this Buffs team if he does come back next so, year. So you're really going to have to, somebody has to find figure out who that guy is to be that because I, I think that's important for a defense to have that rock in the middle. They're going to have to get used to it. It's only a matter of time. Whether it's next year, year after. These guys have to get used to playing without Nate Lamb, and they can. It's just uh, tough to do in the middle of the season. Uh, moving on, Christian Gonzalez, what a great year he had. The freshman who we really had a lot of question marks about. You know, he had 23 solo tackles, 25 total, which is great. I mean, he's making tackles. We just talked about missing tackles. At least he, you know, when he gets there, he'll make the tackle. Um, and, and I thought that, you know, throughout the season, we saw coaches pick on him less and less. You know, the offenses that CU saw early in the year tried to target Christian Gonzalez. But by the end of the season, they looked at this guy as an equal on defense. And that was really good to see his growth throughout the season. And I think you saw that because coaches were seeing that as much as they were picking on him, it wasn't successful for them. It was not getting them anywhere. So I think they realized about halfway through the season that he may be the strongest corner on this team. Why are we going at this guy? I don't care if he's 18, 19 years old. Yeah, you saw it last night. I mean, right off the ball, playing man coverage, step for step with the receiver, getting his head head around and a hand on the ball to knock it away saw that several times from I, him and and i was really impressed with i think he was one of the few bright spots throughout the night on this defense there wasn't a lot 
to be encouraged about. I think during the middle part of this game, late in that second quarter, you really saw the defense kind of seem like they were getting their footing again, and then come back out of half, and 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 you know, Bijan Robinson's running all over them again. But throughout the game, Christian Gonzalez seemed like he was one of the few steady, consistent pieces. Mustafa Johnson, twenty tackles on the year, three sacks. Uh, you think he comes back next year? You know, he's an interesting one because I, I'll say, you know, we talked about the surprise of the year um, in, in a positive light. I, I think he was kind of the other way where uh, I don't want to say the disappointment on the year. I think he was getting a lot of attention, a lot of double teams, but he did not have the impact that he has had in the last couple of seasons. I still think he goes out because I still think he has a very bright NFL future, and, and that's hard to pass that up, especially when you go through a season like this where you don't know what next season's going to look like. It's easy for us to sit here and say, ah, wait till you get through this COVID stuff. Are we sure we'll be through any of this COVID stuff this time next year I as we're going know. into the football season? I don't know. And, and we're are... not going to get into any of that, all that's going on in, in, in the world here today, but... It's something that I think if I'm a guy like Mustafa Johnson, I believe I can go out and be a mid-round draft pick. I'm going to go make that happen. Yeah, I think he's gone. You know, I, I would agree. Probably a bit of a down year for what we expected, but also the bar set so high when these guys come in to see you and you hear their name over and over, and then suddenly you don't hear it as often. It's like, well, what's going on here? But I think he impacts a lot of plays. Just doesn't get on the stat sheet, but I'd agree, Jared. Maybe a bit of a disappointing season, but I still think he had a pretty good year. Um, Makai Blackman, 15 tackles, six passes, defense tied with Isaiah Lewis for first in the team there. Uh, one pick, and uh, yeah, Makai Blackman, again, nothing that he did this season makes me go, you know, makes me uh, down on this cornerback core. You no, know, I thought was, they did a great job. Yeah, I think it was good to see some consistency from that position. There's been a lot of injuries, a lot of ups and downs over the last couple of years. A lot of guys that went to the NFL that kind of left some holes there. So to really see that consistency on the outside, Christian Gonzalez, Makai Blackman, they did not miss many snaps this year. And I think you really saw that improvement by the end of the season. And our last defender here who will uh, kind of highlight uh, John Van Deest. He came in uh, filled in great when Nate Lehman initially went down. He, he he was spotty, you know, where he was uh, filling in for the defense throughout the year. And you need guys like that. You need guys who are going to go out, be versatile, fill in where you need them to fill in, and, and do their job. And that's something John Van Deest has done now for a couple years for CU, and I think he had a pretty good year. So uh, John Van Deest uh, as well. All right, so before we move on and wrap things up on today's show, uh, Ryan, let's get to this day in Colorado football history. So today in Colorado Buffs history, um, I know most of you guys won't be uh, listening until this to the uh, 31st of December, so uh, New Year's Eve. We're going to start it off with uh, on a positive note this, I th- love this it. New Year. Let's, let's start off on a positive, huh? We need it. So we're going back to the 70s. Get your uh, Get your platinum shoes on there Walsh. let's let's start <laughs> disco dancing my friend so december 31st 1971 colorado completes its best season ever with a 29-17 victory over the university of houston in the 13th annual astro blue bonnet bowl okay charlie davis rushed for 202 yards and helping the buffs to finish a 10 and 2 and 0 for the 1971 good season. old chuck chuck davis old chuck davis love it Nice job. Nice this day in Buffs history. How is it that the best team in Buffs history ended up at the Blue Bonnet Bowl? Uh, you ever have Blue Bonnet ice cream? It's delicious. Hey, you know what? You do make a great point. What, wasn't there a Mexican food restaurant called the Blue Bonnet? Yes, there was. Yeah, I, that was really I, good, too. Is it? That was really You're good. not about to tell me that doesn't still exist. I don't know. I'm not sure. 
We need to do some research. I'll be quite <laughs> upset. We'll bring it up next year. Apparently. All right. Uh, we've got a couple of things to uh, get to to wrap the show up. But uh, first, this is a Woos Media podcast. But Woos Media does much more than simply podcasting. Have you guys ever searched for something and whatever you searched for seemed to follow you around for a few weeks? Well, as invasive as that may seem, that's exactly what Woos Media is great at. So if you own a business, know anyone who owns a business and want to make more of your online presence, contact Woos Media online, W-O-O-Z-E media.com. All right, so I want to hear your guys' moment of the year. We're going to go back and uh, try and find one specific moment that kind of stands out to us this season and one moment that uh, meant uh, kind of the most to us as CU fans. And I will go first. I know this may seem a little cheap, but I'm going uh, game number one because when CU came out, Put 48 points up against UCLA. Yeah, I know they let the Bruins come back and make it close in the end of the game, but that it, it didn't take more than a half for me to go, Carl Durrell's the right guy. You know, Carl Durrell has the demeanor. I love the way this team is playing. I loved the offensive play calling to start things off in this season. And when he who should not be named left last year for Michigan State, he he really left this program in a bad spot. You know, that is something that it's one of the un, unsaid rules of college football. You leave, you leave early. You give your school enough time to replace you and you do it the right way. Well, the the current coach at Michigan State didn't do it the right way. And Buffs fans were worried. What's going to happen? First game of the season was, I was nervous. I was nervous for this team, nervous to see how Carl Durrell would look. And I was really kind of... I didn't know how they would come out. And they looked great. I think Carl Durrell proved to all of us that he was, in fact, the right hire, and he's the right guy for the job. So I think he's a, a very good head coach. I think C was lucky to get him in, in, in that first game. You know, I'll, I'll go the first game against UCLA was my moment of the year because, you know, we got to see, obviously, Broussard have a great game. Sam Noyer looked good. But overall, it was uh, Coach Durrell where it's like, this guy's for real. So that's my moment of the year. Jared, do you want to go next? Yeah, my moment of the year, I'm going to go to the Arizona game, you know, and, and <laughs> I'm looking at Ryan over there. As you guys may or may not know, we don't discuss these things beforehand, right. so none of us know what the other ones are going to be pulling. <laughs> hey, if we have the same moment, <laughs> I would almost expect that, right? There's, uh, a, there's a couple highs this a- year. Absolutely, and, and I'm just going to touch on Jarek Broussard. O- on the day, 25 attempts, 301 yards, 12 yards per carry average. A huge day for him, but not just Jarek Broussard's performance in this game. This was... Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the only game the Buffs went down early, came back, won that game, really controlled the second half of that game. So it was good to see a team fight back. The first few games, they had really kind of taken the lead early. They had really been in control from the start. So to see a team claw and fight back and win that game, and that was really when the Buffs started getting recognized a little bit on a national stage and being talked about for that Pac-12 championship. Yeah, originally I did also have the uh, U of A game as well, just just to touch on that as well. It is I think that's what uh, made Jarek Broussard the Pac-12 player of the year uh, just based on his performance and again like you said that 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 performance to go down early come back late so my my second one I did have two in the barrel so my second <laughs> one actually my 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 highlight of the year is to come from USC's game being canceled on two days notice to take on San Diego State in a gritty gritty game on a team that you haven't faced in a long time and it goes back to 
Tyler's point as well, it showed how good of a coach Carl Durrell truly is and showed you that this is the right guy to come out and be able to pull off a victory in really unprecedented circumstances, you know? So that's 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 my. It's so, it's so funny how much you and I think alike because that was my number two on the list too, and and I was going to really point to to Nate Landman in that game. Three sacks, eleven total tackles. He was an animal in that game, and, and I just think that was such a huge point in his his season. Well, yeah. Again, well. I think that was final score was what twenty to fourteen, I believe. So uh, twenty to ten. Twenty to ten, and and again, just a gritty game. That, that that's that's what you know what you have in a football team, and you know it. Didn't necessarily work out as we all have liked to, but that 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 really showed um, showed my faith in this program. Overall, your Colorado Buffaloes end the season four and two. All right, um, good job today, guys. Good season so far for the Buffs. We will come back and uh, we'll have one last show next year or uh, next week. So we'll wrap the season up next week. We'll talk some recruiting. We'll talk about our offseason plans for, uh, you know, what we're going to do these uh, next couple of months. But before we get out of here today, let's give our bull picks for the final four. Uh, Alabama, the one seed, taking on Notre Dame, the four seed. Um, let's let, let's go the, the against the spread, right? Let's, let's do the Vegas line because obviously everyone's going to pick Alabama here. So would you take Alabama minus the 20 points? Or would you take Notre Dame? I'm going to go Notre Dame. I think they keep it close, and I don't think Nick Saban has much of a reason to get margin this game. They know they just need to win, and they advance. So uh, I like Notre Dame plus the 20 points there, but I think Alabama wins. 20 is a lot. A lot of points. That is a lot of points, but you know, guys, I, I just don't think Notre Dame belongs in this category with the rest of those uh, the other playoff teams, and I just do not think they can keep up with this Alabama team. They, they may be head and shoulders, Alabama, better than any one in the country right now and so i'm gonna take alabama with the points all right jared's going alabama minus 20 what do you think ryan i'm going alabama with the points <laughs> as well and i think um the way that florida showed up in the sec championship yeah. i think alabama has something to prove and i think that was the last thing uh for anybody to do to alabama going into the playoffs was piss them off so. all right uh, clemson ohio state clemson a seven point favorite i am taking the favorites in this game i think that uh, the clemson tigers win by at least a touchdown so uh for those who don't understand how this works uh clemson's a seven point favorite meaning they have to win by at least eight if they only win by seven it's a push you get your money back but uh, I like Clemson minus a seven. I think they win by at least a touchdown. And I, th- to me, this game's all about reps. Ohio State's got the talent, but they've been injured. And uh, combined with that, they haven't played many games this year. So they just they have they don't have near the experience that a lot of these guys on Clemson have. So for that reason, I'm going to go Clemson minus seven. This is a really really tough one. I think you push this two or three points in either direction, and it's an obvious pick for yeah. me. So I I think they got the line spot on right there. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it'll be back and forth. I'm tempted to take Ohio State because of that, because I do think it will be a close game, but I just really, really believe so much in Trevor Lawrence, so much in Dabo Sweeney, and their ability to win in these types of games. It's a team that's been there. They've done that. I cannot bet against Clemson in this. Ryan? Yeah, I'm on board with you guys as well. There we go. I love it. All right, cool. Uh, Well, good job today, guys. Again, tune in next week. We'll have our final show of the year where we talk about recruiting and a fun story about a 27-year-old who wants to join the buffs and they'll walk on so all that and more next week buffs good year they end four and two we'll talk to you guys next week on the buffs nation podcast